I've scanned my whole body several times. I could be 50 years gone, but people will still see a new Terry Crews project. Hopefully my pecs will pop in artificial intelligence. Terry Crews has a story that every YouTuber needs to hear. Please just run the camera because I'm ready to give it up. Terry Crews, everybody. Terry Crews. Yeah! I love this song. After getting cut by the NFL, he figured out how to turn creativity into a career. It was a hundred million dollar movie and I had never acted before. I hadn't even done a school play. He made ads on YouTube that were so good, they didn't feel like ads. I remember we were on set and I was doing this crazy stuff and then my pecs started popping. They were like, wait, that's a whole nother spot. And now he's using AI in ways that totally blew my mind. And I didn't say a word. I couldn't speak. Honestly, our conversation made me rethink everything I'm doing on YouTube today. And I think I'll do the same for you. I want to be able to entertain from 12 minutes to 30 seconds to two hours. I'm not going to compete. I'm just going to create. Da -da 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 -da. This is so good, John. I'm John Ushai, and welcome to another episode of Created. You're very good at what you do. <laughs> Hey guys, real quick, 60-second word from our sponsors. One of my favorite events of the year is coming up, and I'm talking about HubSpot's annual inbound conference in Boston. I think you'll love it too, so mark your calendars for September 5th through 8th, 2023. You can catch talks from amazing speakers like Reese Witherspoon, Derek Jeter, and Andrew Huberman, and there's so much more with multiple stages featuring industry experts and tracks from sales strategy to AI and innovation. You'll walk away with practical tips and techniques that you could put into action right away. Plus, you'll connect with other leaders from some of the most exciting and innovative companies from around the world. This year is going to be unforgettable and tickets are selling out fast. So head on over to inbound.com to get yours today. All right, back to the show. Hey, thanks so much for coming on, man. Oh, John, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. <laughs> I feel like you're one of the only human beings who could go from hosting America's Got Talent to starring in a Kendrick Lamar music video <laughs> to the set of Sesame Street to then going to the gym and outlifting everyone there. Uh. But the chapter in your career that to me is most surprising, Terry, is you as an artist. So I wanted to ask, when was the first time that you really got paid for your art growing up? You know, it's funny. Uh, that's a funny story. And, and it's one that was really sobering. I've tried to be succinct with it. I always had this vision of Hollywood, hmm. not in front of the camera, but behind the scenes. I saw myself as a creator. I actually saw myself... Uh, if you know, as a special effects artist, I, I used to, to make spaceships out of styrofoam. I would get out of boxes. I would sculpt monsters and creating stuff. And and then I would paint things that were movie posters. I would Drew Struzan, the guy who drew all the Star Wars posters, was my hero. He mm -hmm. was my example. I'm going to be a movie poster artist is what I wanted to do. And, and when I met my wife and we started dating, uh, right before we got engaged, I said, listen, I said, what we're going to do we are going to play in the NFL and then we're going to move to LA and we're going to make movies. So you oh, got to wow. understand everything that I'm doing now, I actually spoke it. I had a real, real keen sense of how to write down a goal. Wow. Like you, you write it, you put it in into the fabric of the universe and then you kind of have to go into it mm. because one thing is, is I, I was very careful at first I used to tell everybody my dream and they would be like, I would get beat up. But what I did realize is that there were people that I trusted that I had to give this to so that I could do it. Like, mm. because I knew if I said it, it, it kind of like, it was forcing me into this, this path. You know what I mean? Uh, so 
what happened though is that I got better. I was I got really good at my university, mm. and the NFL became the thing. You have, mm. you know what I mean? So I knew once I said I, I wanted to go in the NFL, I've trained hard. I started to to shape myself into that, mm. and I made it. Like I got, but I got drafted <laughs> in the eleventh round. You have to understand. <laughs> They don't even have 11 <laughs> rounds now, okay? It was like a glorified free agent, but I did not care. Coming from Flint, Michigan, it was like, man, there was no other way I was going to make it out. Mm. So I got into the NFL. You have to understand, too, I got cut. The first, I was got drafted by the L.A. Rams, and I hustled, hustled, hustled. I mean, remember that same thing about giving your all, doing everything you can do. And I went in, and I got cut. Mm. And I was hurt. But Jeff Fisher, who was the coach at the time, who was my defensive coordinator, he said, Terry, you work so hard, we're going to bring you back on practice squad. Mm. <laughs> and two weeks later, a linebacker got hurt. I was moved up to the active roster. You know, mm. I Listen, I tripped and fell all the way to the NFL. <laughs> you know, and I was not dumb enough to quit. So you're talking about six teams in seven years. I was bouncing all over the place, but I was like, uh, you know, to me, I said, I'd rather be poor going after my dream than, you know, more just rich living a life that I don't want to live. How did you choose the NFL as a stepping stone to Hollywood? Because I think there's a lot of different routes. I mean, we see other folks like now people like Logan Paul are going to WWE and it's almost like catapulting his level of fame. But how did you choose the NFL as your stepping stone? Well, you have to understand everybody who plays in the NFL thinks a movie career is guaranteed after they're done playing. <laughs> I mean, everybody like, okay, I'm, I'm going to leave and I'm going to make movies. And it's like, no, I mean, how many people have actually been successful at that? You yeah. know, like Carl Weathers yeah. maybe, but it's almost like people thought, you know, it's guaranteed. So I thought the same thing. I literally was like, everyone's going to know who I am. I'm going to go to Hollywood and be, and be able to do things. But the problem was, is when I moved to L.A., nobody cared. Um, you have to understand, too, as a football player and, and a marginal football player at that, uh, you wear a helmet all the time. So nobody knew who I was. You're a number. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. It's really wild. There were very famous people that were in the NFL that no one knew what they looked like. <laughs> Because they were always wearing a helmet and the whole thing. It's different with basketball or soccer or whatever. But the but the NFL at the time didn't really want you to be a very recognized person. Mm. So when I came out to to Hollywood, um, I actually tried my hand at animation. Really? And I, my portfolio was in at Disney, at DreamWorks, uh, at Hanna-Barbera. Wow. Um, and I was getting pretty far. It was really good. Like... My portfolio was building, and what you had to do was keep submitting your portfolio. Mm. Um, and I had gotten really, really good because what was happening is as I got cut from every NFL team, I would humble myself and go back in the locker room and ask the players if they wanted their portraits painted <laughs> uh, because I knew that that was a way to sustain myself. You know, I said, instead of working at AMP, uh, you know, the, the some grocery store, I would much rather get like five grand for a painting that would take me maybe two months to do. Mm. And it would allow me to feed my family and players. They gave me money to paint them, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I would go in there like, I'm going to paint you over the city and I'm going to make you look all amazing. And, and I had all these great examples and dude, they were like, man, I want that, man. I'll, yeah. I want put me over the city, man. You know, <laughs> and it was like, it was kind of cool 
because I had a portfolio coming out of the NFL of players and and athletes that I had painted over the years. I had done basketball players, football players, the whole thing. And so that helped me to get my animation portfolio together. But this was the thing. <laughs> Toy Story came out. And the computer-generated animation killed hand-drawn animation. I was in line while they were uh, making, they were interviewing artists for DreamWorks um, for Prince of Egypt. Mm. And I remember being in line and submitting my portfolio and the whole thing. And it was like overnight, it was over. Like a lot of those artists, hand-drawn guys couldn't do computers and I couldn't either. I didn't even know how to do it. All I knew was a pencil, a pad, you know, some colored pencils. I knew how to be an in-betweener and all that stuff. But the other stuff was done. And I was like back to security. I was sweeping floors at factories. I was filing all the papers that fell over in the Northridge earthquake at the Veterans Administration. I did that for like eight months. Uh, anything to just laugh. I mean, I didn't make a lot of money in the NFL because I was so transient. So it was like here today, gone tomorrow. And it was really, really wild. And a friend of mine invited me to an audition. You got to understand, I never wanted to act ever. I thought I was a creator. I was going to be this guy. And the audition was for a show called Battle Dome. Mm. And it was like American Gladiators on steroids. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the first thing I ever auditioned for, and I got it. And now my life changed. It was it was in front of the camera. And my, I, remember, I remember my wife coming to a show and she was like, you really got a knack for this. I was like, because, you know, as an artist, all I did was like, I envisioned what I wanted to film. Mm. So I said, I have to be the person that I would love to put in my movie or in my show. Right. right. And that's how that was my acting technique, you know, and uh, it worked. It worked. And let me tell you, that was 25 years ago, over 25 years ago. And I can't believe the career that's happened. Yeah, I. It's kind of wild because you kind of follow, I almost like looking at, I feel like I was holding on to a log and you just let the river take you where it goes. Mm. You know what I mean? And don't, don't resist anything. You know what I mean? Because mm. a lot of people, one thing I noticed is that there are a lot of people like, if this happens, no, say no to that. And mm. don't do that. It's got to be this path. But I never did that. Mm. It was like, just go, just follow. Like the fact that the audition was presented to me and I went, mm. that's uh, changed my life forever. So I knew as new opportunities come, try it, mm. go for it. You don't know if this is going to be the key for you or not. Mm. Terry, that reminds me of something you said about Arnold Schwarzenegger. From working with him, you mentioned that he encouraged you to try everything, yes. drama, comedy, horror, all sorts of films. Yes. But I wanted to ask, what was an opportunity that you went after that scared you the most? It's funny you would mention Arnold Schwarzenegger because I have a story about that. It's funny because um, the first time I got a, a movie role, it was a movie called The Sixth Day with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was giant. It was a hundred million dollar movie shooting in Vancouver. And I had never acted before. Like mm. I had done this TV show Battle Dome, which was kind of a game show and all that, but not like, you know, here I am. This is a big movie. And my first, I will never forget my scene with Arnold. I was supposed to walk up to him on his steps of his house. And I was like, Adam Gibson, come with us. <laughs> And I walked up there and Arnold turns around, looks me in my face and I'm like, <laughs> and I didn't say a word. I couldn't speak. 
and something magically went wrong with the camera. Mm. And they were like, oh, we got to reset. I'm sorry, we got to reset. And I remember pulling myself to the side and I was like, Terry, do you want to go back to doing security? You want to go back to sweeping floors? Hey man, I know you're scared, but do it anyway. Mm. Do it, do it, do it. I, you have no other recourse here. Mm. Your family, your future, your your kid, everything is, is hinging on this moment right now. And I, boy, when they started and then they started up again and I was like, Adam Gibson, come with us. And he was like, I like this guy. He's really good. He, he comes with the heat, you know? And I was like, after that, I knew to go in. Like, mm. it, you're, cause you're gonna be afraid. You're going to be scared. You're gonna be, but I learned also, there's a big difference between fear and excitement. Mm. Fear and excitement feel exactly the same. And you have to know the difference. Once you're fe- if you're fearful, you tank, you stop. But if you but if you feel those bubbles and you decide that you're going to be excited, you get better. It becomes a, 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 a your performance rises. Mm. So I took all those bubbles and started to understand. I'm excited. Mm. I'm not fearful. I'm excited. And all of a sudden, that changed everything for me. And I mean, it became where I I. You know, I didn't want to run from the camera, even though I may feel fearful or feel I know. No, it's excitement. Mm. You're excited. Don't be scared. Mm. And all of a sudden, everyone gets on board with you. It's amazing. I heard this story. Everyone knows that famous scene in White Chicks. Where, (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's epic. I feel like I've played that video so many times. How did you know? I love this song. Making my way downtown, walking fast. And I miss you. And now I wonder. I heard you did that in one take, Terry. That's right. That's right. Well, take me through that moment. How did oh, that happen? Well, you have to understand, I was in my hotel room practicing that probably for a month straight, right? <laughs> that listening, one scene? Oh, listening to the song all day long, <laughs> all day long, to the point where I was getting all the little things and anything. I just, I just wanted it to be pivotal, right? Mm. And when I was literally, when I sat in that car and they started filming, I was like, please just run the camera because I'm ready to give it up. And the moments when, you know, when they discovered that whole little, you know, it was, it was just flowing. I mean, it's funny. I, I even realized how when you see great athletes like Steph Curry doing his thing, you can see it when he's on, mm-hmm. when you know Jordan scoring 63 as a, you know, his, his rookie year, you know, he, it's like time stops and you can do no wrong. That's how it felt on that set of white chicks. Mm-hmm. Everything flowed. Every line just flowed out of me, man. I was going, this is a spiritual experience. <laughs> you know what I mean? On, a, on the most stupid movie ever. You know what I mean? But, that's why it still lasts to this day. It took a lot of preparation. I was in that room, like I said, for a whole month doing that pra- practice, practice, You're just listening to Vanessa practice. Carlton on repeat. All the t- all day long, nonstop. And I said, I'm going to be over-prepared so that when it comes, it's just going to flow. What, what were some alternate takes of that? Oh, like, where were you going to take that? Well, there were none. I mean, oh. we did it once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You oh, know? No, I'm saying the preparation, because that's so fascinating to hear, Terry, that you prepared for that moment. Yeah. Because when I heard one take, I'm like, he's a natural. No. You see, this is another thing I want to say. And this is a lot of people don't realize that there's no such thing. 
mm. as a natural. Mm. Everything is learned. Everything is worked on. Everything. I mean, you know, I, I, I hear a lot about rappers who go into the studio once and then they can all of a sudden, you know, they never write anything down. But they've been working on this thing for years and years and years, all day long, 24-7, nothing but lyrics, nothing but lyrics. So when the time when, you know, a guy like Jay-Z gets in the studio, it's got to explode. Right. You know what I mean? So there is no not writing or not working on it and all this stuff. You're working on it. Mm. Uh, and so when people see things that are natural, what they say is natural is just the first time you saw it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But behind closed doors, it's nothing but work. It's hard, hard work until it gets into the flow. Yeah, that's amazing. Did you fear being typecast? I feel like a lot of folks, even when they hit their stride creatively, you know, they feel like they have to make the same thing, whether it's a YouTuber making the same video, the same format, it's an actor playing the same role. Did you feel that? And how did you fight against it? Well, first of all, you have to understand that I was on my well on my way to being typecast. And, and this is another thing. Typecasting works mm. because it'll get you paid. Mm. Like you can actually work, you know what I mean? Because the whole thing was, OK, here I am, this big black man who. I mean, I played a killer in the CSIs, you know what I mean? They put me in these, you know, big intimidating roles and the whole thing. But what I would do, and I knew what I could do. It's almost like um, you hear a song, but when someone, you have Dolly Parton singing, I Will Always Love You. And then you have Whitney Houston singing, I Will Always Love You. Both are hits, but it's totally different when somebody else sings it. When I, I decided I was going to bring me into everything. So it's impossible to be typecast because there is no other you. Mm. There's no other Terry Crews. If I bring me into a performance, into whatever is normal, a normal, you know, role or whatever, I knew it would stand out. So I remember being on Malibu's Most Wanted. <laughs> and here was a, like a funny role, but I was like a background guy. But I kept doing things that got the director's attention. Like, whoa, wait, you know, what is this guy in the back doing? You know, and they kept telling me to do new things and, and keep going and all this stuff. And another thing is at this time for a guy like me, big, muscular and whatever, you, there was no big funny, muscular guy. You were either chubby or skinny mm -hmm. or whatever, but muscle and funny didn't work. Mm -hmm. But when I brought what I brought to it, people started to say, wait a minute, this big guy can do comedy, which was watershed at the time. No one, you got to understand, at the time, it was so new. Like that white chicks moment, people were like, wait a minute, I, I've never seen this before. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that was my way. Whereas everyone else wanted me to be this big, you know, kick-ass action movie guy, mm. I realized that my lane was going to be comedy. Mm. Uh, I was going to stay in that lane and keep doing it because it was all to myself. <laughs> and I was like, I don't have to compete with anybody because I'm just being me. My wife knows that I'm a goofball. You know <laughs> what I mean? She's seen it all at home. She's seen me doing it and all this stuff. And she's like, Terry... You are just literally being yourself, <laughs> different parts of you in all of these roles. But the thing is, there's only one you. Mm. And that makes it absolutely, you, it's impossible to be typecast. It's perfect. Yeah, that quote you have that sticks with me is that uh, competition is the opposite of creativity. That's right. That's right. I love that. I, I learned a long time ago, 
because what, what was happening, I remember feeling jealous. Mm-hmm. You know, you get those things where everyone's telling you, okay, man, you know, uh, so-and-so has got this role, so you got to do this, you got to look like this. And I realized, man, because if, if I'm competing with you, I'm not creating. Mm-hmm. You know, instantly, I'm now put myself on another plane of just you. It's like, you know what? It's funny because people say, well, I'm not good at basketball. But what's real, but you have to understand, every new sport was created by people who are like, I'm not going to compete. I'm just going to create. And so, if you, no matter if you're not good at basketball, I'm good at tennis. So I created tennis, you know what I mean? And this is how these things get started, you yeah. know? This is how in the Olympics, they have to bring a new sport in because somebody's like, no, I'm not good at that, but I'm good at this. Mm. And I realized, always create your own sport. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, it's wild because if you're on, uh, if you're always on someone else's playing field and you're always playing the game and the rules that they set, You'll never win. Mm. You know, uh, the Beastie Boys have a song where they say, I play no game I can't, that I can't win. <laughs> and I love that thing. I always, you got to set yourself up to play the game that you can win every time. I feel like another way that you changed the game was when it came to marketing and YouTube and those Old Spice commercials. I couldn't believe some of the things that you did in those videos. And I heard this story, Terry, that you were actually on set and you guys were coming up with new ideas <laughs> right for there. these Old Spice commercials. And you're like signing the contracts in real time for new commercials at, to shoot. At first, that is exactly <laughs> what happened. This is, this is what's so nuts. Hey guys, real quick, 30 seconds. I just want to say that being part of the HubSpot Podcast Network, which is the audio destination for business professionals, is a chance for me to be in a network with so many other amazing podcasts. So I want to take a quick 30-second break to shine a spotlight on the Shine Online, which is a podcast hosted by Natasha Samuel. Natasha interviews the brightest entrepreneurs to bring you no-fluff advice, honest discussions about mental health and the lifestyle aspect of entrepreneurship, as well as actionable strategies that you can apply to your own life. One of my favorite recent episodes that she did was this one call from attorney to entrepreneur and how you can really protect your content from theft and legal disputes. So check her out. And now back to our show. You know, when you got to understand when I started doing uh, Old Spice um, at the time, my managers, agents, everyone was like, it's very dangerous because if you do commercials, you'll get typecast, you'll be stuck in commercials. And at the time, no big stars were doing commercials Hmm. because they were like, that's beneath me. It was almost like, okay, there's this hierarchy, there's movies, there's television, and then there's commercials. Hmm. And then below that there's internet. You know what I mean? That was like, and listen, that hierarchy was there and they were like, Oh, you're going to do this commercial. And people look at you like, Oh, but I said, dude, you remember with the best thing that the best, the thing that I thought might work against me it was the best thing that ever happened for me because I did not have some acting coach or mm. acting teacher or, or some acting school that was back there. Like, we don't do that, Terry. Mm. We don't do, I don't, I'm free play land. <laughs> I'm like, I'm an old football player. I don't care. <laughs> and then I was like, man, this is a great opportunity. What? I don't see a problem. And so I did it. And I remember we were on set and I was doing this crazy stuff. And then my, my, <laughs> My pecs started popping. They were like, wait, that's a whole nother spot, you know? And they started coming up with stuff. I'll never forget. We were doing, we did the block commercial when I was like, block, block, block. They were like, he's willing to do this stuff. Because I, I was kept, you know, it was like we were simpatico. We were hitting on every level. 
And I also, I saw no difference between entertainment and marketing. Hmm. No difference. In, in fact, commercials can be just as entertaining as a movie, as a television show, as anything you could enjoy, as a great book. Everything is entertainment. Everything. Hmm. And when it's funny because it really hit me when people were watching all the Old Spice commercials for a half hour straight and they were watching them as entertainment. <laughs> and I realized this is the way. Terry, you mentioned embracing new mediums. Yes. And I think you're always on the cutting edge of that. I wanted to share a moment from America's Got Talent, which <laughs> you host, which just blew me away. And I think the impact of this for entertainment oh. and media is going to be groundbreaking. Oh, oh my God. Yes. I yes. Metaphysic. Groundbreaking. Oh. This is so good, John. That was scary. Explain that clip. Okay. First give, of give all, this, this is... This group called Metaphysic had the ability to create an AI version of any person, any celebrity. They And, you know, they ended up going to the finals by bringing Elvis back to sing live at the finals, which was crazy. And it was indistinguishable from real life. Mm. They do the Tom Cruise deep fake. They do so many other things. And I knew, I said, this is the future, man. And they, they went all the way to the finals. Like, they almost made it. But it changed the game. I was like, this is the future. In fact, I would love, and, and I'm, I'm an early adopter, but I would love, and I've, I've scanned my whole body several times, huh. but w when I'm long gone, to still be able to do performances, literally for my grandkids and other projects and other movies and other things, when I am already to see, I'm, I could be 50 years gone, but people will still see a new Terry Crews project. That's the dream. That for me, I have no problem with that. You know what I mean? Go ahead. You got it. Um, and these guys with this technology and what AI has done, I, I've already invested in stuff. Um, we actually have a full fledged uh, digital copy of Carnegie Hall that I teamed up with this group called Virtual Worlds, and we went and we scanned Carnegie Hall for the future. Well, that's fat, the deep fake stuff, Terry. Wow, I didn't realize you had your body whole scanned. Yeah, well, I have, several times. Several times. Because it gets better, you know what I mean? And oh, I'll, so you go back and yeah, do improvements. I did it, the first time I did it was five years ago. Wow. And so now, I did it one like a year ago, and so now, you know, and even now, I, I got my face scanned just literally a week ago, to, so to add facial hair and all this stuff. So it's, the technology is getting better and better and better. I remember early on in my time in Hollywood, everyone said digital will never replace film. You have to, I was, my early movies were on film. Mm. And everyone was like, nope, digital will never make it. You know, hey, and it's a Kodak theater. It will always be the Kodak theater <laughs> until Kodak was gone. <laughs> but see, this also reminds me, I grew up in Flint, Michigan. And everyone was like, foreign cars, they were burning foreign cars when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. There would be smokestacks, you know, in the parking lots from the workers who were like, there will never be a foreign car in Michigan mm -hmm. and whatever. 
And I saw their resistance, but while they were resisting, their factories were being closed mm. and everything was gone. You can never resist. One thing you have to find ways to, 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 to go along with the future. Mm. And I've seen it now where there's a lot of artists that are really, really resisting AI mm. because they feel like it's stealing or they feel like whatever. But I tell you, creativity can never be replaced as long as you put you in it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like a computer can never replace you. It can mm. only enhance you. Mm. Um, and that's my mindset. I think that once I would never forget when film went to digital, it never went back. Mm. Never. We're filming digitally right now. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, it's wild. I don't have to take my film to get developed unless yeah. it was some sort of art project. Right. But I think the same thing with AI I think we can't really resist. And it's what's wonderful about metaphysic. I'm still friends with those guys. They just worked on Tom Hanks' latest movie. Wait till you see them de-age Tom. It's, dude, it's indistinguishable. You were mm -hmm. like, how did they do this? They, it was like Tom at 20. Hmm. This is crazy. It's never going anywhere. Hmm. You can't resist it because look at what we can do. It actually opened up. Hmm. projects for tom hanks it's opening up projects for people they did the same thing with uh harrison ford hmm. you know what i'm saying so it's opening up the fact that man you de-age people it allows them to give you know performances that they wouldn't have been able to do totally until this technology comes out so i am an early adopter i embrace it um you know hopefully my pecs will pop <laughs> uh, it, it, artificial intelligence <laughs> Let's make it happen. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I just really hopeful for, you know, and there's going to be a super creative that's going to take this to a whole nother level. Mm. You know what I mean? When I, when I say they're going to Christopher Nolan this thing mm. and it's going to be like, that's why it was created. You know mm. what I mean? We're all going to be like, we got it now. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I remember everyone resists change. Are you afraid of being copied or like people taking that or like, like there's a lot of like now musicians, their voices are being taken and creating songs. Like you're kind of like putting yourself there intentionally. Like, do you worry about that at all? Not at all. I, first of all, I love like people have done remixes of the Old Spice stuff. Yeah. They've done remixes of the performances, me dancing and white chicks. Mm. They put all their own things on it. First of all, take it. I'm done. I'm good. Whatever you like and you want to you want to do something with me as long as it's not pornography, I'm good. Mm. <laughs> That's the only limit. I'm like, yeah. "Hey man, as long as I got my clothes on, I'm good." <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I think I, I, again, I think that you know, as long as I'm alive, I one thing that's great about that Drake song that yeah. just came out, he said, "I didn't do it." Hmm. And instantly it was gone. You got to get the endorsement. Got it. If once you get the endorsement, the person that's around say, yep, that's me. And there's, good, there's ways to digitally know who's approving what. You know what I'm saying? That's another thing. Like, it's just you're, like your DNA code. You know hmm. what I'm saying? I think that that's the next future where people will be able to really say, okay, you know, I put my code in. It's, it's lined up with my DNA. You know it's me. Yeah. And that's all official. Wow. I yeah, think it's great. The cosign is going to be even more important I that do. you were involved. Right. The cosign. It was once Drake said, that ain't me. Yeah. It was like, get out of here. Yeah. You know but what if I you mean? said, you know what? I really like that. Or like, I'm going to hop on it and remix it myself. Then it's, then it's an advantage. Then you can, you can use it. 
And you let somebody do something, you give it the okay. Wow. That's a cool way to work, man. You know what I mean? Like, you, it's still your voice. Yeah. So why don't we work together? It reminds me of the early days of YouTube, like people chopping up videos and That's ideas right. being more crowdsourced. But yep. then somebody could take and be like, What's Think about with it with the TikToks where people are sharing, like they split it in half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and just watch you looking at another video. It works, man. It still goes viral. I mean, you're literally taking content from other people and remixing it. How do you recreate the creative spirit, the performance, the spontaneity, the yes and with AI? Let's say 50 years from now, somebody is using a deep fake of Terry Crews on a set. How do you exactly think about, okay, marrying technology and spontaneity? First of all, you, you know, we all study the past. Mm. When you look at um, comedians, they all study Richard Pryor mm. so that they can improve on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everything, we're, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, when I look at a guy, like uh, there's an actor by the name of Woody Strode who was back in Spartacus, big, giant, black actor who was a legend. But if he hadn't been here, I wouldn't be here. Mm. You know what I mean? He broke through way back in the days of Kirk Douglas and all this stuff. But I realized I am an iteration of several different people. Hmm. And I think with AI, it's the same thing. What we'll be able to do is look over the years at different people and improve a performance hmm. by doing that. You know what I mean? Hmm. By taking all of it and all of a sudden seeing what works and what didn't. Because that's that's really what, what this, this whole thing is all about, is finding out what works. Um, this is one thing I do love about like traditional broadcasts. Mm. Traditional broadcasts has figured out a lot of, of the, they've done a lot of the hard work mm. because they found what works. When you look at the sitcom format, yeah. when you look at the hour long format, they start to really understand like this works here, this works there. Things you really can't reinvent. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. Because they tried it and mm. they put it out there. And when things sunk, they were like, oh, my God. <laughs> they kind of like they done the Titanic for us. Right, right. You know what I mean? So we're like, we're not going to sail through icebergs anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and that's what I love about traditional broadcast. And what's an example of that, Terry? Well, you know, AGT. Mm. AGT is the Ed Sullivan show. Huh. The thing that created television. Mm. It never changed. Yeah. Think about it. it, you, it now, it got glossier. Right. It got better. It got woo, woo, woo. But it's still, you take regular people, put them in front of, give them a dream, give, let them work on their dreams in front of the whole of America and now the world. It never gets old. Mm. These concepts never, ever change. Mm. And people want to see someone go from, from here to there. You know what I mean? It'll Absolutely. never, ever get old. And so when you look at it, that's what happened on Ed Sullivan. There were people who were discovered and people who went from here to there. And the same thing on AGT. Hmm. Um, it's it's such a wonderful thing because that's traditional broadcast, but they figured it out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is one reason why it's in season 18. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not going anywhere. It's not. People will never get old with that because a new year and I have to tell you this too. I'm always surprised because I think I've seen it all mm. and I've never seen enough. I turn around and I'm like, no one has sung like this. No one has ever danced like that. No one has ever done magic this way. And it's like, you realize th that there is no limit to human capability. Mm. No limit. Now, even a computer has only so many terabytes, <laughs> but you, but human beings, 
we can go forever. You always be shocked, hmm. always, because you go, I did not know people could go that far. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's a little bit like sports too. Yeah. You know how people get better and better. Look, the way Stephen Curry shoots is unthinkable in the beginning days of the NBA. Absolutely. But now he can shoot from half court like it's nothing. <laughs> This is the, this is the process. This is the way creativity works. It's a beautiful thing, man, and you got to let it happen. Mm, that's amazing. And what's really interesting, Terry, is you mentioned that when you started, the internet was almost the bottom of the rung. Exactly. For that entertainment. Exactly. How has that changed? How has social media changed the way you think about what you create? Like, take me through. Like, what 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 is your relationship with social media as somebody so established in Hollywood in the traditional world? Well, see, once I had that breakthrough in commercial, I realized no medium is beneath me. You know what I mean? There's no such thing. Mm. Um, and there's another way to entertain people. Uh, I remember doing early reality. Um, I did a TV show for BET called The Family Cruise. Mm. And me and my whole family put ourselves on cameras. And this is early days. People are like, no, you don't do don't do reality. You'll 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 be condemned to, you know, hell, Hollywood hell, <laughs> you know. Um, but I did it and it worked. I said, now I realized it all works. Mm. And I started getting into the internet, man. And we like the power of YouTube, the power of Instagram, the power of TikTok. Mm. I, I embrace it all. When in the early days of the internet, I remember being on the set of Brooklyn Nine-Nine <laughs> and the early days of Instagram and the whole thing. And no one would let you take a picture on set. Mm. They were like, oh, no, no. If you pulled out your phone, there would be executives running over like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I was like, yeah, but I'm trying to share this on my Facebook. This is back in the day, right? Then one year, we come back after our, our hiatus. We come back. They're like, okay, everybody, take as many pictures as you want. <laughs> and I was scared. I was like, no, nah, you trying to trick me, man. You trying to trick me. And they were like, no, no, go ahead and post. Go ahead. Post everything. Post a bunch of behind the scenes, all that stuff. You got to say, you would get sued. If you had behind the scenes footage on sets and all this stuff, it was legal ramifications. Mm. All of a sudden they were just, no, go ahead, go ahead. And I didn't trust it for a, a little while. I remember it was like six months I was going, I don't trust you guys. I'll try to hit me with a lawsuit. But then because they discovered the power of what the internet was. Mm. And they were like, look, you're not giving it away. As long as you don't give away any spoilers, you're giving people access. Yeah. And so I embraced it wholeheartedly. Mm. And I realized too that, that I did a lot to reject the people that I didn't want on my mm. social media. Mm. Um, and that was another thing too, because I realized that, you know, there, there, there's a big difference between a car accident and a museum. Mm. When I say a museum, you go in there, you have 10 people, 20 people who go and enjoy and watch and love it. Mm. Then you have a car accident that gets millions of followers. Mm. And, but it's a car accident. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I had followers that were wanting to see me crash. Mm. And I realized I have to get rid of those people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I want my social media to be like a museum. What's really interesting is I feel like this short film that you made with Zach King, Stranded 3, feels like a museum in many ways, but also has the views of a car accident. Right. You know, it right. gets that viewership. What were some of those things that you learned from Zach? I had a chance to interview him and he went through the whole process of coming up with ideas. Like it's really, it's, it's ironic because he's so about magic, but he's so structured. What were some of the things that you learned from Zach behind the scenes with that collaboration? 
he has a team where they spend all day just examining new ways to, to create content. And that's one thing I learned. I was like, this man is a miracle worker every time. Because, you know, you're talking about special effects that have, ta- have cost hundreds of millions of dollars to do in movies. He found ways to do the same thing for pennies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and you can't tell the difference. And that was the thing that shocked so many people. Like, if you think and work on it hard enough, you can crack this code. Hmm. Um, and this is one reason why I decided to get with Zach mm. because I said, there's things that I want to learn, the magic that I want to learn from this short format, you know, because I want to be able to entertain at any level, at any time from 12 minutes to 30 seconds to two hours. I want to be able to hit that. And there was a lot I learned working with those guys and his crew is immaculate, man. Yeah. Just they're, they're good people. Um, let me tell you, this is another thing. All judgment kills creativity. Mm. When someone is like, when we were on the set of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, there was no such thing as a bad joke. Mm. You could spit it out there, you could try it, and we would let you have it. And we was like, and if it didn't work, we wouldn't put you down, it wouldn't go down, but you can ad-lib, you can try something, it would be free play, but that's why the show worked. That's why mm. we got eight years. <laughs> Because no, but imagine there's been shows where somebody tried an ad lib and they got, what are you doing? That's not funny. It sucks. Mm. And you're like, I'll never do that again. Mm. And all of a sudden the show stops being funny. Mm. People are like, uh, if it ever got on the air, it would be, it it would be canceled pretty soon. Mm. I realized that. And this is the mode. This is the atmosphere that you need in order to be your most creative. It's gotta be no no judgment at all everything is is it's almost like the improv technique mm. where the where the answer is yes and and right and all of a sudden yes and we'll do this you know mm. what i mean and when you have that attitude dude the sky's the limit and that's the the hip zach king and his whole crew have that whole attitude yeah i remember he was telling me that they get on set, they have their plan, but they always leave room for an extra 10% improvement. Yes. An extra yes. 10% innovation. I just thought that's, you know, a manifestation of the yes to end. So good, man. I, I Actually, I was I was loving how simpatico we were. Yeah. You know what I mean? Our personalities, everything. It was like, wow, man, I, I can't wait to do more with him. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, he's a superstar, man. Mm-hmm. Him and the whole crew and everybody. Um, it was really, really special. That's amazing. Well, Terry, you have so many talents, you've pushed so many limits, and you have one talent that to me is equally as surprising as the painting and a lot of things you've talked about. It's your ability to play flute. I was wondering if you're open to it, if you play a little something to close us out here. Yeah, let's try something. (laughs) Listen, this is, again, I'm not very good, but it's okay. uh, The fact you play. Let's try this. Let's see. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it's been man, my pleasure, pleasure, John. My pleasure. Thank you so much, man. Your of questions course. were great. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That's a wrap, guys. Thank you so much. Oh, All right. that's good. That's good. 
All right, if you made it this far, hit that follow button because I think you're going to love our next episode and leave a review. It only takes a few seconds. You don't even have to write anything, but if you want, drop in your social handle and you'd be surprised at how many times I DM folks, say hi, see how it can help out because ultimately meeting you guys and helping you guys is why I started this. I'll see you next time.